Welcome to episode six of Humans of UNDP, a podcast where we get to know fellow colleagues and where we explore how we connect and communicate in the digital age. Today, co-producer Oscar Durand and I are back in paradise with Victor Liddell, head of exploration of the Accelerator Lab in Fiji. And given that we are in the midst of this worldwide pandemic, unfortunately, we are not on the beach drinking pina coladas as scheduled. Just kidding. But we are especially lucky to be speaking with Victor today because he's been responding to crises, particularly global health crises, ever since he was a child. From being on the front lines of the Ebola outbreak to his current job of managing 15 countries and territories in the Pacific and thinking through the challenges that they face, geographic isolation, ecological fragility, limited resources, a narrow economic base, and climate change, it's a lot. So we thought we'd check in with Victor to see how he's doing. I'm, I'm good. I mean, I can't complain. Uh, my friends always ask me, like, you know, uh, so you're stuck in Fiji. And I tell them, like, you know, hey, you, you could be stuck in a lot worse places than this, right? So I'm working, but uh, working from home, so I can afford to only wear pants when necessary. True. Life without pants can be liberating. And now that we've gotten to know Victor a bit, I was not surprised by his optimistic response. No matter what he's facing, he's strikingly calm, determined, focused. Well, I mean, I love to work, so it's, uh, it's, it's all right. I'm not doing badly. I just miss my family. This is the longest stretch I haven't traveled to see them. It's been, it's been a bit lonely because I've been here by myself. Uh, my family's in here and we're all stuck at home, social distancing and all that. But other than that, it's been interesting for me because of having to change the way we work and things like that. But other than that, everything is solid. Uh, great times. Uh, I like the fact that UNDP is acting with great ambition during this time. You know, colleagues are stepping up to the plate, organizing online, organizing across geographical. Like, it's a very exciting time to be alive, actually, professionally. As expressed, Victor has a lot of experience navigating communication, adaptation, and innovation in times of crises. And due to the challenges COVID presents, he needs to apply that knowledge given how much island hopping his job entails. Travel is not an option right now, uh, even for the islands that are close to us. As soon as uh, the rest of the world started to experience COVID, the smaller islands shut their borders completely. And that to a large extent has contributed to, you know, many of the small islands having zero cases. So it's, it's, it's protected them. But how it has affected us that we can't travel for work. But what is uh, significant to mention is that we're gradually evolving ways of working that don't involve as much travel. And truth be told, all that travel between islands that Victor's job required took a lot of time and energy. So in many ways, working from home has actually improved Victor's efficiency. I think this is a golden age for um, digital communications. I've collaborated, I've been able to draw on resources that will not have been available to me before COVID. And these resources have been made available because we can collaborate online. And um, we are not bound by the constraints of timing or geographical time zones or anything like that. So although working from home and being so far from his family can be lonely, Victor is keeping his spirits up by seeing this moment as an opportunity to have conversations that were not happening before. For example, later on today, I'm going to be on a call with colleagues from Vanuatu. They were able to host successful elections in Vanuatu, regardless of COVID. So we're trying to collaborate on making that story known to the world. So even though we've not been able to travel, it hasn't stopped our work from going on. Maybe it has slowed some things down, but it has also enabled some things. And one of those things is building a broader network of digital collaborators. We are collaborating more across borders. 
right now my counterparts in Barbados, Timor-Leste, Cabo Verde, which are spread across many different regions of the world in the accelerator labs. We are collaborating on projects because we're part of the Small Island Developing States Network, which is a group of countries that share similar problems and similar challenges. So it's clear that if we act in concert, we'll be stronger together. So even though we can't travel, we're collaborating online and it's, it's been really quite efficient to discover new ways to brainstorm online and uh, co-create, despite not being able to be physically present. And expanding that network gives Victor hope because it improves his effectiveness at sharing his expertise to tackle complex problems with complementary, cross-cultural and cross-disciplinary teams. I had a meeting with someone from Algeria a couple of days ago where they were trying to replicate what we did with the rural farmers here. But being that they believe they have less broadband penetration, they are going to fashion a platform that is SMS-based. So achieving the same objectives, but using a different platform. So I think it's just about how creative you are, having your end objective in sight, how creative you are to use what tools are available and will be taken up by the people you serve to deliver the solutions. Basically, it's that attitude of going for the solution and not focusing on the obstacles. For Victor, Building frameworks that blend local and expert knowledge is essential for innovation because he can harness local expertise and draw on collective intelligence. One of the areas that the Accelerator Lab we have interest in is in food security. And um, we had planned a project along those lines that had to do with um, enabling farmers, small-scale farmers like backyard farmers, micro-farmers, to be more efficient and to propagate that practice in a place where we noticed that it was needed but wasn't being done. So we are typically planned to do some capacity building, uh, to uh, encourage some new forms of innovative farming like hydroponic farming and all that. But being that we can't travel and because the social distancing, our, all the constraints, like you mentioned, constraints breed innovation of this present period made that route impossible to go down again. And it suddenly occurred to us, hey, um, it seems this is an opportunity to draw on the collective intelligence of the crowd. And I think our inspiration comes from many of the solutions that have been developed around the world in the sense that collective intelligence is gaining primacy, meaning that being able to draw from many more sources of intelligence than was previously the case. Like before, the limitations were often based on the kinds of people in the room, meaning that if you manage to get even a number of beneficiaries in the room, there's always going to be a small sample size relative to the total population of beneficiaries. Same thing for experts and same things for development workers. But uh, what collective intelligence does is your sample size increases vastly, meaning that you can reach almost everyone in that population. And to get the most out of this collective intelligence, Victor realized that in order for the conversations to be inclusive, that they had to change their approach, such as using less technical language. You have to reframe the kind of information you want to gather so that it can be turned into meaningful intelligence. So what we did in our meeting was, instead of focusing on implementation and capacity building and all that like we had planned, we're now switching and making a pivot to building more on the existing intelligence, the tacit knowledge held by the people actually in that population. The people that are actually doing micro farming and making a success of it. Those that have tried it before and it didn't succeed, and those that are not even doing it at all. If it's so apparent what the benefits are, we want to know what are the barriers to them adopting it. So we have switched our well business model, for lack of a better word, and it looks like we may have a stronger outcome because now we have more detailed and actionable intelligence when eventually these barriers to actual implementation are lifted. 
So strangely enough, in some ways, despite social distancing, we are now more connected than ever. There's a saying Victor references, that in times of crises, the first casualty is truth. But Victor tweaks it slightly and says, well actually, in times of crises, the first casualty is trust. And given how trust is the essential element to good communication, how trust opens up our worlds, it's quite incredible how our new digital reality is creating conditions for deepening trust and inclusion. We're acting more in unison. And we're able to act faster because of technology, digital ways of communicating across barriers of time and space, um, the opportunities that computer power, machine learning, artificial intelligence have afforded us to gain insights deeper. And also the willingness of people to be more open-minded and realize that solutions will come from anywhere, not necessarily from the ivory towers or from the boardrooms, but also from the farthest reaches of the field, from the farms, from the villages, from the communities, from the workshops around the world. So it's really very interesting to see. And at UNDP, part of that trust building comes with deepening our relationship with technology because digital communication is the new normal. One of the few historical correlates I can think about is about the time, last two centuries or so, when motor cars started to threaten the livelihoods of stagecoach drivers and, and there was pushback against this new technology. But eventually, there was no net loss of opportunity. Rather, new opportunities were created. It's just a question of taking that first step in open-mindedness to realize that, look, this thing is there to work for me. It's not going to work against me if I'm not used to interacting with technology in this way. Technology was created to help us solve problems all through history, depending on how we use it. So we have to determine what we want to get out of it and use it in that way so that it serves us, not the other way around. So embracing it and trying it out and realizing that there's almost no doubt that everyone can find something that works for them. So although we are in a time where we are facing uncertainty and loss, we are also in a moment where there is a potential for a more inclusive world, where digital communication can create the conditions for a deeper interconnectedness and for fostering trust, a critical element. This episode of Humans of UNDP is produced by Oscar Durand and myself. Our theme music is by Lemon Gua, additional music by Chris Zabriskie, sound design by myself. Special thanks to Victor Liddell for sharing his time, story, and sounds with us. To listen and subscribe, go to wherever you find your podcasts, our digitalnow.undp.org. I'm Elise Blennerhassett. Stay with us.